absolutely need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is Buffalo What's Next. I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. I'm Dave Debo. And I'm Thomas O'Neill White. After May 14th, how can we afford not to talk about race? About education, about segregation, about humanity. Since the dawn of this nation, racial violence has existed. The way we have designed our society has a big hand in what occurred in that Topps market. The suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. We need to make sure that we put more funding in our programs that help prevent gun violence and more money into art. We're going to have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truths. And good morning. This is Dave Debo. For the entire hour today, we have one topic today hunger and poverty and food insecurity. This is the time of year, I think, when oftentimes you'll see in the news turkey drives or uh, people donating items to help out various food pantries. That's all well and good, but underneath all of that, there's an issue that I think we need to discuss. So we've brought in a couple of different people to talk about it. Later in the program, you may have heard it earlier in the week, Marketplace was at the Fresh Farm Food Distribution for the Feed More of Western New York. We'll play that report for you at the end of the program. We've also got just a little bit of commentary from John Strazabosco. He's an author of 90 Feet Under, What Poverty Does to People. He does a lot of workshops with clergy in and around the Rochester area. But for most of our discussion, Catherine Schick is here. She's with Food Feed More. And uh, I, I think a lot of people, Catherine, first of all, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I think a lot of people, when they see Feed More, they say, what is that? But that, you're the food bank and your Meals on Wheels. That's correct. So we are you know, the Food Bank of Western New York and Meals on Wheels for Western New York. These were both organizations with, um, you know, 50 years of experience fighting hunger in the community um, with the earliest um of Meals on Wheels actually being established way back in 1969. Um, and we realized that by coming together as a single organization, we could better affect change in our community, fill unmet needs. So we did do that. We merged and we are now Feed More Western New York. We're still, you know, operating our food bank distribution network, our Meals on Wheels services, but we also have new innovative programs uh, really aimed at tackling hunger at its root. And talk to me about the unmet need. That to me is is... That's probably the topic during this program today is well, how big of a problem it is. It, it is a huge problem. We know that uh, really hunger is pervasive in our community. So Feed More Western New York uh, serves four counties. We serve uh, Erie, Niagara, Cattaraugus, and Chautauqua County. And in fact, when you look at those four counties, we're looking at about 165,000 people who are facing food insecurity. All right. Now, I did want to get to terms. Uh, that was on my list. What is food insecurity? Well, food insecurity is, is actually a measurement uh, by the USDA. It refers to a lack of consistent access uh, to enough food to lead a healthy life. Um, so a lot of people may be experiencing prolonged uh experiences with food insecurity. And there are certain times a year that, that they may come out. So for example, um, this time of year, you know, the, the colder winter weather, we're using more resources. We're keeping our lights on longer. We're, you know, using more resources to heat our home. Um, we're driving instead of, you know, for those of us who are able to have a vehicle, we're driving or we're using public transportation. Um, all of those things cost money. And when you are living paycheck to paycheck, really working hard to make ends meet, you are faced with tough choices. Um, do I 
put gas in my vehicle to get to my job? Do mm. I pay the rent this month? Or do I use that money on the groceries um, to put food on the table? And when you're faced with that stress, um, you can be you know, facing food insecurity. And nationwide, uh, the cost of food at home, I'm not talking about restaurants, but uh, the cost of food at home rose 13% in the past year, according to the latest CPI, Consumer Price Index. So inflation is a factor. You're probably seeing that. Inflation is definitely a factor. We have seen uh, and heard from the pantries that we partner with to distribute nutritious food. We actually partner with uh, about nearly 400 hunger relief partners, and these are food pantries, soup kitchens, shelters, group homes, throughout our four counties four county service area to serve the community. They have been telling us that they have been seeing increased needs, and we have seen um, those numbers rise in terms of who is visiting them from across the board. So certainly uh, that rising inflation is a very significant factor. And, you know, in terms of what we can, you know, procure through food through our food bank distribution warehouse, we have seen increases in prices as well. And again, your several counties, your Cattaraugus, your Chautauqua, your Erie, and Niagara, is there a difference in the amount of need depending on where we are? Well, yes and no. Uh, the simple answer is there's there's just no one face of hunger. Um, we are really serving people uh, of, of all ages, all backgrounds and circumstances throughout not only our cities, but our suburbs and our rural communities. I think people are always surprised to know that we may have pantries and soup kitchens in Amherst, in Williamsville. Um, oh, you know. no, not there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, you know, hunger is a really pervasive problem. And um, for people who may not have realized just how uh, significant uh, food insecurity is and how there is just no one cause of you know, seeking food assistance, I think the pandemic really brought that to light for so many people who suddenly found themselves laid off, unemployed, hours cut at work, you know, people who may have never, you know, thought I would need it, the help of a food pantry suddenly found themselves in that position. So while there's certainly no one face of hunger and, and we're pretty much touching virtually every zip code with our services in that four-county service area, um, we do see, of course, um, areas where, you know, certainly more people are in need of, of course, you know, among, you know, people of color, the rates of food insecurity are higher. Uh, we also, you know, see increased need in, in many of our rural communities as well. You just said something interesting there. Uh, there is no one cause. That intrigues me. Sure. So, you know, while we know that probably the leading cause and the most common cause is having a lower income, being underemployed or unemployed, uh, there can be many other factors towards uh, being food insecure. You could be living with a disability, um, mm -hmm. making it very hard for you to get out to access, you know, places where you can receive nutritious food. Um, you know, you can be, um, again, you know, suffering from, from medical conditions, um, you know, having barriers to health access, barriers to education, all of these, you know, of course, affordable housing as well. All of these could be, you know, interconnected. Um, so you, you may not be experiencing food insecurity in a vacuum. But again, there there is no one face of hunger or one cause of hunger. And before the program is done, we will also address some of the issues specifically on the east side involving the changes you may have seen about 514. Catherine Schick is with us from Feed More Western New York. They are the food bank that you've seen around the town uh, doing distributions. We're going to talk a little bit later about one of their farm produce uh, drop-offs that they conduct on the east side. 
but I want to pick up a little bit on the face of poverty, the face of food insecurity. Is there, I'm almost reluctant to phrase the question this way, because I imagine there is not a typical. Is there a typical? There is not. There is not. So at Feed More Western New York, we work so hard to make sure that people of all ages and backgrounds and circumstances receive the nutritious food they need. And we see um, people who are, you know, from infancy all the way through older adulthood. You know, we're working with, um, you know, babies and children. We're working with uh, older adults. Um, We're working with people who are juggling multiple jobs. You know, I think a a big misconception is that you have to be unemployed to need food assistance or to be considered hungry. And that's just simply not true. There are so many people who are juggling multiple jobs and, and it's just not enough to make ends meet. Um, I think it's always surprising for people to know that there are college students um, that are facing hunger. We work with Deuville University uh, to have an innovative food pharmacy program on their campus, as well as several other colleges in the area, um, as well as high school pantries, because high school hunger and college hunger are significant barrier are significant problems as well. And there's a lot of barriers that these uh, populations are facing. So there really is no one face of hunger. And, and regardless of who you are, I think we can we can certainly agree that the people who are affected by it are really affected by it. I had a chance a little bit earlier to talk to uh, uh, an author, John Strazobosco. He does a lot of workshops in and around the Rochester area in some of the churches, talking to clergy, talking to activists there about the kind of things that happen when people go into poverty. He's also the author of a book called... 90 feet under what poverty does to people. Here's what he had to say a little bit about what that is, the face of poverty. Talk to me about what the worst thing that poverty does is. I think that the worst thing that it does is it attacks people. Um, poverty has impacts on people that, um, that really is, are terrible. Um, one of the major impacts, of course, is trauma. And that releases some stressors into the body uh, and does things internally. Uh, But there are also external effects from external societal effects uh, of judgment that come in to contribute to the problem. Let's take each one in turn. Physical side effects of poverty. Well, some of the physical side effects uh, would be Obviously, I'm thinking malnutrition or, or, or lack of proper nutrition. Well, that's where it starts. Uh, physical, um, how, why don't we start with just the, the definition of people who are in poverty in this country, it's, uh, and even in this area, if they're making less than 24000 a year for a family of four, then they live in poverty. And if that's their income, their needs cannot not be met. Uh, And that has to do with their uh, food needs, their medical needs, their shelter needs, uh, pharmaceutical, health care needs. All of that stuff is not quite met. And so the pressure is on. And these folks now have to uh, deal with how do I make all my decisions based on the fact that I can't meet all my needs. And you would argue that indeed it is that universal that pretty much every decision that a person in poverty is facing 
comes back to that one question. Uh, yes, it does. And they're actually uh, how their decisions are made uh, tend to be, well, it's quite an interesting thing and powerful thing. Um, decisions in poverty are generally made on the basis of survival. They don't have choices. They don't have enough food. They don't have enough shelter, for instance, or clothing or care. Some of the things I mentioned, well, now all decisions have to be made maybe by the moment uh, based on survival. How do I get through the next uh, hour, 10 minutes, day, uh, meal? Uh, how do I get to work uh, if my car is broken down? Uh, that kind of thing. And if you're living based on making decisions based on survival, that it makes it very tough to stick to rules uh, that allow you to get an education or even a career. Let me wind it back a little bit, talk about generational poverty. If the person you're dis just discussing that is in that survival mode, that is making those decisions, is my mom or my grandmother, what does that mean for me? Um, well, <laughs> it depends on what the decisions are that are being made. Uh, in generational poverty, uh, probably everybody around you then in, in that family or neighborhood is also suffering from poverty. And so everybody's making decisions based on their survival. And that means that a lot of situations are not going to mesh up. Um, now, one of the big important factors uh, of poverty like that is that uh, relationships tend to become extremely important. Um, your friends do help you stay alive. John Strasabosco is the author of 90 Feet Under, What Poverty Does to People. Again, he conducts a lot of workshops around the Rochester area in a lot of the Catholic parishes there, talking about poverty and food insecurity. That's what we're doing for the balance of this hour. Catherine Schick is here from Feedmore, Western New York. If, if we were TV, they would have seen you nodding your head, specifically when he was talking about food insecurity and stress, how those two are interrelated. They are absolutely in interrelated. And, and you're right, I was nodding vigorously because... <laughs> vigorously. Vigorously. Um, you know, it is survival mode, and you may not know where your next meal is going to come from. And, and when you are living in that sort of survival moment-to-moment, minute-by-minute type of existence... It takes a toll on the body, um, not only, you know, in terms of the lack of nutrients that, you know, you may be getting from a, a diet that is not rich in, in nutrition, but of course, you know, just the the constant stress could lead to, you know, many other related diseases and, and you know, medical issues. And of course, bring in the fact that you may need to go to the doctor for that. You know, your bills may start racking up. Again, it's a cyclical position that you that you might find themselves in and and the one thing I want to touch on too is some of the coping mechanisms that people may um, employ when they are facing chronic food insecurity and one of those of course could be choosing those uh, types of food mm -hmm. items that are less uh, I, nutritious. I don't think I'm food insecure but I know exactly what you're saying. It, 
If it's a depressing time, I'm going to grab a potato chip. If it's a depressing time, you're going to grab a potato chip, absolutely. But maybe you're grabbing the potato chips because that is the only type of food that is nearby for you because you live in a, in a place where yeah. nutritious food is hard to come by. You know, the nearest grocery store is, is you know, a couple bus stops away. And I have to, you know, juggle that between picking up my kids and getting to my two jobs and, you know, my very limited income because I know those potato chips are going to cost a lot less than yeah. the bag of apples. Yeah. Um, so you're going to be, you know, filling your belly. You may have, you know, a full tummy at the end of the day, but you did not get those nutrients. And, you know, when you're chronically living like that, you could see some lifelong consequences, um, obesity, diabetes, hypertension, just to name a few. And when we return, we'll talk a little bit about some of the things that the Feed More group is doing to address that. But I also, Catherine, want to get into policy. Hunger is something that we somehow probably need to battle on the national level. And I'm thinking that those policies for a group like yours, are not as much in place as you would like them to be. So when we return, we'll touch on that. Catherine Schick is here from Feedmore, Western New York. We're talking today, again, about food insecurity, poverty, hunger, so much more. Again, usually around this time of year, you see a lot of people uh, covering and talking about some of the food drives around town. We figured we'd go just a little bit deeper for you this morning. We'll do more of that when we return. This is Buffalo What's Next on WBFO. There are a lot of great ways to spend $8 a month and get a blue check mark. So why not become a member of WBFO, your NPR station? You'll be a verified member on the spot and your money will support high quality news and information. For fun, we'll send you a snazzy window cling and a travel mug, both with our logo and the blue check mark that shows everyone you're a verified member of WBFO. Just call 1-877-456-8870 or go to WBFO.org to make your pledge. Thank you. PBS Kids fun and educational content is available wherever you are in Western New York, whenever you want. Live stream the channel at wned.org slash pbskids. And while you're there, you can play games, watch videos from your favorite shows like Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, Molly of Denali, and Alma's Way. And you'll find resources for parents and teachers. Visit wned.org slash pbskids today. This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And Catherine Schick is with us. This is Dave Debo. We are talking about food insecurity with Catherine from the Feed More program, the food bank. I, I still call it that. Forgive me. I think that, that helps people understand who you are. Feed More is the food bank. Feed More is Meals on Wheels. Feed More is out there in the trenches trying to deal with food insecurity on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm going to tell a story on you. Where were you this morning? <laughs> I, I was. She, she was teasing me. She said, 
I'm glad it's not TV because I've got a sweatshirt on and it was cold outside. <laughs> you were out at a, a donor drive this morning. That's right. I, I was uh, getting uh, donations of turkeys to help feed families this Thanksgiving. So um, it's really wonderful that we have those types of uh, opportunities here in Western New York. And I really can say, you know, without a shadow of a doubt that Western New York is one of the best communities that we truly embody that city of good neighbors type of lifestyle where we are really working hard to make sure that our neighbors do not have to go without. Is it something that's a lot harder to do, I don't know, in June? Yeah, it is. I think that um, people tend to get into that giving spirit around the holiday season. Um, so many of our holidays deal with food as the centerpiece. So, you know, it's interesting, you know, for many people to connect, you know, that, oh, you know, there may be people who, who are struggling and, and who don't have those resources. Um, but hunger is 365 days a year. So we are serving people, of course, during the holiday season, but every other day as well, because we know that so many people are facing hunger. And, you know, the you know, you mentioned June specifically, that can be a time of year for many families who are, you know, seeing their young children no longer being in school and mm. no longer getting that free or reduced price breakfast and lunch program. So now they're faced with making up those two missing meals a day. That could be a, a very tough time of year for many families in our community. How much of a, a surge or, or depletion of your stocks do you see seasonally? Well, uh, we run through our food items pretty quickly. Um, we have our warehouse can hold about maybe 2 million pounds of food at any given time. Um, I will say that um, we are at the point where, you know, our, our, our warehouse, our facilities are, you know, uh, they're at capacity, if not, you know, over capacity, um, because the need is so immense. Um, so, so we're getting that product and we're turning it around. We can, you know, get out more than a million pounds of food a month. Um, and, and that just seems crazy. But, you know, when you think of the hundreds of thousands of people who are struggling each and every day um, who really do need that food assistance, um, it, it, the, the food goes out fast. Uh, I'm trying to wrap my head around that. A two million pound warehouse putting out about a million pounds of food each month. Does that mean without donations, you, your shelves would be bare in two months? Donations are a huge help. And, you know, those food donations are, are really critical for us because we're able to, you know, pack variety food boxes out to get to our, you know, food pantries. And the monetary donations help supplement um, what is not donated. So when, you know, we go out, we can procure, you know, nutritious food items to, to get those resources out. To if, our, if you have a agencies. freezer full of turkeys, you can buy a carton of eggs or whatever flexibility. C correct. You need. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Talk a little bit about Meals on Wheels. Food Bank, I think, is in some way self-explanatory. Sure. Donations come in. Donations go out. Try to address food insecurity. To what degree is the need changing on the meals to wheels side? Well, um, our aging meals to meals rather our aging population, uh, you know, certainly continues to grow, and with that, we know a lot of people are, you know, in a position where they may be homebound and no longer able to safely shop or prepare for their own meals. So we, you know, have seen our numbers in terms of who needs those prepared meal assistance continue to climb, um, and then of course the pandemic uh, brought on a lot more people to that um, home delivered meal service. So we're going out. We're providing, you know, a nutritious lunch and 
and supper to our folks each day, Monday through Friday. We have weekend boxes available for those who do not have relatives involved or, or nearby um, that can help them out during the weekends. And not only are we providing nutritious meals, but we're also uh, providing that well-being check. You know, we just had a volunteer the other week who found a uh, one of our clients um, in a medical crisis and was there to call 911 and um, was told by the paramedics that if she was not there to save mm-hmm. him, the outcome could have be could have been a lot different. So, um, you know, certainly our volunteers are not just delivering that nutritious meal, but they're, you know, providing that emotional and mental support, um, you know, in terms of the companionship and then in times life-saving support. And you have your own kitchen? You you, you make these meals? We do. We do. Um, we have a commercial kitchen um, at our where, um, sorry, at our commissary at James E. Casey Drive in Buffalo, and we're preparing um, over 5,000 meals a day to go out into the community. So again, you know, the, the need is so great that we're trying to kind of keep up with our facilities um, in terms of trying to meet that increased need because unfortunately um, there there are a lot of people out there who are really in need of food assistance. I promised a little bit of a policy discussion. How much of uh, the, the, the meals that are coming in for Meals on Wheels, um, does the county senior services help out there? Uh, does the federal government help out in either of your programs? What's their involvement in the day-to-day work that you do? Well, we work in tandem with, you know, the county, um, you know, our local municipalities, um, you know, Erie and Niagara County for our, our Meals on Wheels services, um, as well as, you know, the state and federal support. They're, they're always working to help um, provide us with, um, you know, the funding and resources we need to get um, food out to those in need. And, you know, we always still need more, as, as we were just mm-hmm. saying. Um, and then, of course, you know, in terms of advocacy work, those policies um, that we help to push forward are ones that are nonpartisan. We're, we're non nonpartisan yeah. organization, but we're always going to, you know, talk about policies and, and advocate for policies that are going to serve the vulnerable community sure. members who we represent. What needs to change in terms of policy? Well, one of the things we're always, you know, watching closely and advocating for is the uh, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program known as SNAP. Um, some people may be more familiar with the term food stamps. Mm. Um, so these are, you know, ways that our community members can go to the grocery store and to farmers markets and use those uh, SNAP benefits to help make ends meet. And as much as we're able to provide through charitable food assistance, um, SNAP can provide nine meals to every one of our meals. So they really are the first line of defense against hunger. And who's eligible? Uh, a lot of different people. Um, and that's one of the misconceptions that we also work hard. We have a, a SNAP, um, a couple team members uh, working to do SNAP outreach to help people find out that they really are eligible, sign them up to the program. Um, there are older adults that can um, be available. We have SNAP benefits for college students that people may not realize that you can, you know, uh, apply and, and be enrolled in SNAP. Um, for that, so we do have a team of people working hard to help, again, you know, tackle any misconceptions uh, that people have around SNAP and then get them onto the program. Mostly income-based? Mostly income-based. Yes, it is income-based. How does one apply? Uh, I I usually save toward the end uh, the references. What's your website? How do they reach you? But if someone thinks they could avail themselves of this program, 
How are they in touch? You can reach out to us at feedmorewny.org or call us at 716-822-2002, and we can put you in touch with our SNAP Outreach Coordinator and our SNAP Outreach Supervisor to walk you through that process. Have you seen a change there, more people applying? We have, and, and we want that to be the case. We want to make sure that people know that this benefit is out there if, if this is something that could really help them out. Because I imagine if they're getting help from someone other than Feedmore, that just makes your work that much easier. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a big strain on, on charitable food assistance programs to, to help meet that need, and, and we simply could not do it without the support of the SNAP program. And a lot of people, you know, still need to rely on charitable food assistance, especially, you know, at the end of the month when their SNAP benefits may run out. You know, that's when we're seeing those upticks at our food pantries and soup kitchens in terms of those who need food assistance. Has the food stamp program changed? Is, uh, is the person that was eligible today the same person as last year, maybe at this time? Well, certainly um, with the pandemic, um, we have seen, you know, more people being eligible for the program who may not have been previously eligible. We have seen, you know, benefits be able to, you know, increase um, in terms of those maximum allowances to help people through those financial hardships. Um, So what we're, of course, trying to do is continue to advocate for the success of this program and brace ourselves if, you know, those uh, emergency benefits and emergency allotments are too go away. And to be plain, it's a federal program, right? It is. Is there anything Congress is talking about, thinking about, any any changes that you see on the horizon there? Or or a, a family or person of income X will always be eligible to get it. No, I mean, it, it is something that, you know, will continue to evolve. And, and there is a farm bill that comes up every so often that includes the SNAP program um, that we're keeping our eye closely on to make sure that we're continuing to advocate for the importance of this program and many other programs that help benefit people who are facing poverty and food insecurity. It's always struck me as interesting that food stamps are part of uh, the USDA. And, and as you said, the farm bill. Because if I have a food stamp in my hand, yes, I can get a voucher and go to the farmer's market, but chances are I'm going to go to the grocery store instead. Well, you you can go to the grocery store, and, and, and that's good because it can be an economic booster for our local community as well. So, you know, you can use that at the grocery store, and that helps our economy, but too. But to my mind, that is not a specific farm subsidy per se, and yet it is included in discussion of agriculture and farming. That is true. That is true. Um, you know, it, it is, uh, it's all wrapped up in in, in that, in, in the farm bill. Um, but, you know, it, it all kind of goes toward helping, you know, local farmers, local grocers, and of course, the, the local individual. All right. And at the same time, that's a federal program. Are there state programs we need to be discussing? Uh, we do work with um, the HIPNAP program through New York State. It is the, love these acronyms. <laughs> yeah, you you get to learn a lot of acronyms in my in my line of work, and that stands for the Hunger Nutrition Assistance Program. That also helps provide resources um, to uh, food banks and food pantries and other emergency food providers. Another one I've heard of is AFDC, Aid to Families with Dependent Children. How does that fit into the panoply of the programs that are out there? Um, you know, all of these programs really uh, do, you know, help support. You know, they're, 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 they all do make a, a big difference in continuing to support those in need. And without pushing you into the advocacy that I know you don't engage in, again, you said you're nonpartisan, but you obviously have to advocate for the people you serve. 
Can these programs be expanded? Is there something else the federal government or state government could do to really tackle poverty on the policy level other than just increasing aid and working with groups like yours to make sure that people are getting things? Um, Is there something that could change philosophically. Sure. I mean, I think we we just need to realize that, you know, we we need to be lifting up our most vulnerable community members and really looking at these policies and these um, stresses that our food insecure uh, community members face on a whole. Um, you know, another one, of course, I, I failed to mention was the Older Americans Act, too. That's, that's a huge one for us, mm, and it helps provide sure. our, our home-delivered meals program. But, you know, when we all work together as community members, as policymakers, we can really make a significant difference in alleviating hunger instead of, you know, having us all try to, to do it you know, single-handedly. It, it really is going to be a bipartisan effort, a community-wide effort um, in terms of the public and the nonprofit sector. Part of the reason I'm asking, I think, though, is that uh, the issue of hunger, to my mind, is kind of an under-the-radar one. Um, you, food stamps exist. We don't have a major policy debate over them each year. Uh, Hunger exists, yet there is no uh, real hunger summit where they talk about big plans for changing hunger. It's always there. The programs are, for the most part, always being taken care of. Um, Is there something that's not being done? And again, I don't mean to press you, but uh, philosophically, if Joe Biden had a magic wand, what would that be? What what kind of things could the nation or the government or even nonprofits, charitables, faith community groups, um, is there something that they could and should be doing that isn't necessarily part of the agenda? Because, again, I'm, I'm operating on the assumption that all of this is kind of under the radar. Well, you know, there was a, a, a good White House conference on nutrition and hunger and health um, very recently, um, where I know that some of this did get um, brought up and, and looked at holistically. And I think any time that we can really do look, take a holistic approach, you know, looking at food as medicine, for example, um, making sure that we see that, you know, food insecurity doesn't exist in a vacuum. You know, when you are dealing with food insecurity, chances are you're dealing with other things like, you know, health mm-hmm. issues, affordable housing issues, um, you know, underemployment, unemployment, making sure that we're taking these united approaches and holistic approaches to fighting hunger. I think that's what some of what we're doing. I know that's what some of what we're doing at Feed More Western New York. We actually have a um, collaborative endeavor with Catholic Health, Duyouville University, and Feedmore, where we are looking at food as medicine. You, you mentioned that earlier. I know Durham AME has something similar on the east side. Uh, Duyouville University has a food prescription program where basically a doctor says, you need more leafy vegetables in your diet. Here's a prescription. And, and you folks then step in and take it the, the rest of the way. Well, that's exactly right. So we're working with um, Sisters Health Center, the primary care office right at the Health Professions Hub on Duval campus. And um, you are screened for food insecurity. And if you meet that, um, you're prescribed um, our food pantry right on campus. And we can work with you to provide a, a, an array of perishable and non-perishable food items. And we also have a food pharmacy diet that works right on the campus, and we're working with those individuals on a year-long basis, helping them meet health goals, um, screening them, um, and you know, working with them on nutrition education as well. One of the other things I know you do, you have a, a farm fresh drop-off, basically. 
uh, that operates on the east side. Yes, we have um, two programs that are, are pretty similar to that. We have a mobile food pantry program that goes throughout our four-county service area with an emphasis on getting fresh fruits and vegetables and perishable items to those in need. And then our farm market program is, is one of our newer programs. Um, and we have two other trucks that we're ready to deploy to uh, in, in the coming year to increase um, the scope of this program. But basically, we are providing... Um, very affordable, low-cost fresh fruits and vegetables to areas where it may be hard to come by. Um, so you can use things like SNAP right on that farm market truck to help increase the ability for you to get those fresh fruits and vegetables. And I could have you talk a lot more about that, but recently Marketplace, the National Public Radio Program, was actually in town and did a story on your farm fresh delivery truck, the one you've got. You say there's actually two more coming. There, there is. We have two more, so we're um, going to be getting those out um, on the ground and in the coming year. All right. Let, let's listen to what Marketplace said about that. Uh, host Kai Rizdahl and uh, one of their economists, Nella Richardson, she's with ADP, came to Buffalo last week, maybe the week before, late October, came to Buffalo and looked at the economy of Buffalo and what the nation can learn from Buffalo. They found things like uh, wage growth is actually on the rise here in a city like Buffalo. But they also found that there are programs out there uh, designed to look at food insecurity. And they talked about the amount of food insecurity they see. So on a rainy October morning, Rizdahl and Richardson went to a big purple truck parked outside the Westminster Commons on Buffalo's east side. There are more than 7,000 residential vacant lots around here, and it's home to something like 80% of the city's black residents. We were outside an affordable housing development called Westminster Commons, designed for seniors making less than 60% of the area's median income. Is that your truck? We watched as a purple truck pulled into the lot and a couple of people got out. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm Kai, by the way. H. Nice to see you, H. How are you? Good, good. Can we just chit-chat while you're working here? Absolutely. They're here to sell fresh produce. Most of the stuff that we have is like really good sellers, like the grapes, the apples, the sweet potatoes, the onions, the carrots, you know, stuff like that. And this stuff is not expensive. This looks pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. Pears, 50 cents a piece. Mm -hmm. Grapes, three bucks a box. Mm -hmm. Nice bag of apples for $2. That's right. That's pretty good. Can I ask, how often do things change? Like, do you get different vegetables? Is it like seasonal stuff? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. H and his assistant Molly work for an organization called Feed More Western New York. It runs food banks and pantries, other programs across the region. The truck is part of a relatively new program. We are a, t- a truck that actually pays with cash, credit, SNAP. Yep. You know, they, there's a lot of options for them to actually buy this produce. How, how far do you think the nearest grocery store is for me? You probably don't know off the top of your head, do you? From like, for example, Tops. Oh, yeah, yeah one on Jefferson, I would say, driving like 10 minutes. Is but, that right? Yeah. Wow. But walking? Yeah, forget it. <laughs> forget Carrying it. bags and all that. Right, right, right. That tops he's talking about is the one where a gunman from out of town killed 10 people, injured three others back in May. It's about a 29-minute walk from where we're standing. When this truck is here, though, once a week, people can shop for produce literally just steps from their front doors. If you want to shop, you're welcome to Oh, I'm to sorry. Let me get out of your way. Can I have okay. see your back, please? Can we talk for a minute? Tell me your name. My name is Carl. Carl, tell me what you're doing here. 
Um, I'm buying uh, vegetables and fruits. If this wasn't here, where would you go? Oh, I would go to Dash. How hard is it for you to get to Dash? I take two buses. I don't have a car. <laughs> so you take two buses. How long does that take you? It will take me around 40 minutes one way. So you can walk out your front door <laughs> and yeah. you come and get fresh fruits and vegetables here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Very convenient. That convenience is intentional. The Buffalo Federation of Neighborhood Centers, which provides supportive housing and other programs in the area, worked with Feedmore Western New York to bring this truck here. Originally, this was set up to service individuals that reside at our group homes and um, our affordable housing complexes and things of that nature. But we also know that everybody in the community should be accessing right. fresh fruits and vegetables. And so this brings a more affordable option to them in their neighborhood. Chandra Redfern is the CEO. Hi, I'm Mila. I was wondering, you, you provide a lot of needs, not just healthy food, but financing and, and I'm sure some, some social services as well. Have you seen the needs that you are caring for change after the pandemic, or is it the same needs now than it was three years ago? Hmm. I would say that they're the same. They just increased. And the people that need the services have changed. So typically you might see individuals that um, maybe had a lower socioeconomic status or maybe they were on some type of assistance. But what we're seeing a lot of now is working individuals that just can't make it. Make it and they can't make the dollar stretch. Because even though their wages may have gone up, the prices have gone up more. I've gone up and, more. And so they're trying to keep pace with where they were last year. Right, and they can't buy, and you don't get as much. Right. So you're right. paying more, you're going to the store, but you're coming out with fewer bags. Right. So then that also creates a challenge when you're trying to feed your family. Exactly. We talked to one more shopper before we left. All right, gentlemen. But before you hurry off, you got a minute? Yeah. Thank you very much. Would you mind telling me your name? Yeah, I do. You do? Yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> if this farmer's market wasn't here, if this truck didn't come, how would you get fresh fruit and produce? I have to wait until I go to the, the grocery store. Yeah. But it's tough to do, right? Because you got a walker, you have oh, to yeah. carry bags. Oh, yeah. No, I have a shopping cart. And then I have to worry about how I'm get all this stuff upstairs. Yeah. Because, I mean, when I go grocery shopping, I I tend to buy a lot. Well, it's smarter to, you know, get a lot on one trip, right? Yeah, because it's I have to shop once a month. Uh, once a month? Once a month. Wow. Why once a month? Because that's when I get my food stamps. How else do you get by? You get other help? Food stamps in my um, Social Security. Yeah. So what does it mean to you that prices have been going up so much? It means that I, I have to get less food. Um, I have to shop wisely and buy in bulk. Okay. Can I ask you a question? Yes, ma'am. So at what point, if you shop once a month, and it's probably at the beginning of the month, I'm going to yes. guess. Yeah. Is there a time towards the end of the month where it's a little, where you're stretching a little bit more to make it till the next? Well, that's why I buy in bulk. You know, I'll buy three, four loaves of bread, put some in the freezer, 
And when it's time to take some out, I have something to take out. Right. You have to do a lot of planning. That's yes, the bottom line. You have to really think definitely. it through. You can't just like go. You know, because I mean, stuff. I have I have very good eating habits, so I plan very carefully with my food stamps, so I can have the things that I like to eat. Thanks. You're welcome. You have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. You too. I am curious how you're going to cook that squash, but I won't make you. Oh, I'm going to cut it, yeah. put some some butter in it, yeah. and some brown sugar. Yeah. Oh. It's really good. That's and how it's my mom be used to do awesome. it. It's awesome. <laughs> good hot meal for a day like today. Thank have you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. That is the way to do it. A good hot meal for a day like today. Kai Rizdahl, the host of Marketplace, based in Los Angeles, came out here to uh, Buffalo for a couple weeks at the end of October and, and doing those programs where he pulled together that particular report. He said, darn, imagine coming to Buffalo at the end of October. And here we are today. Today would be even worse and better. We're going to keep you up to date with the, the weather, of course, and all that situation uh, coming down the road. We also, by the way, have breaking news to report. The Buffalo News is reporting that Peyton Gendron, the accused shooter in the top shooting, is planning to plead guilty. This is a developing story. We'll try to get you more information on that as uh, the situation unfolds, but uh, especially with the nature of this program, concentrating often on the fallout from 514. I figured I had to mention that here and now. 514 is only a part of our focus. Today we continue our discussion with Catherine Schick from Feedmore, Western New York. That particular program that Kai was talking about, was on the east side, but you don't necessarily do it just there, do you? No, we really do try to take it to areas, you know, regardless of, you know, the zip code where we know places um, where individuals will have a hard time accessing nutritious food. Um, so areas where, you know, people are experiencing food apartheid, where, you know, those uh, grocery stores and, and farmer's markets are hard to come by, or areas where um, people may be living with a disability um, or, you know, other mobility issues that it's hard for them to get out to shop for that healthy food. And there were two things that, uh, again, during both reports, the last time when we had the interview with John Strazabosco, you were nodding your head at one point. Uh, during this particular report, there were two things that I noticed had the head nodding again. The idea that one of the people that Kai talked to had to take two different bus rides just to get his food. Exactly. You know, I... <sighs> it's just something that is a reality when we talk about the stress, the constant stress and survival mode that people who are facing food insecurity um, are often experiencing. And the gentleman, you know, who was interviewed said that it, if it wasn't for that farm market, you know, the nearest uh, place that, that he would shop for, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables would be two bus stops away. And, you know, when you're, when you're trying to squeeze that in with limited funds, limited opportunity in your day to get out, to, to do that. And you may be also, you know, using, you know, some sort of walker or other, you know, mobility mm -hmm. device that it really just all adds up. And it can be really challenging for people to, to have access to that nutritious food. And I think of the days when I go to the grocery store and I put three, four bags in the trunk and then take two or three bags into the house one at a time. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine doing that on a bus. No. How many bags, how many carts, what is that actually physically like? 
it's not the same scenario as just loading up your trunk. It's absolutely not. It's absolutely not. It requires a lot more planning. And the the woman who declined to give her name at the end just talked about how much she has to plan um, to make ends meet and to make sure that her pantry never has to be empty, Um, where, you know, other people may not have to, you know, may have the luxury of just zipping into the grocery store when it strikes them, um, you know, that's not the case for many others in our community. She makes all of her purchases, most of her grocery purchases at the beginning of the month when she has the food stamps. Correct. And has to plan for when the wallet is full and when the wallet is empty. Exactly. Exactly. One other human face I want to put on this, and you mentioned it uh, off air before we started the program. You were at a drive this morning where people were coming by and donating turkeys. And oftentimes the donors share stories of where they once were and why they're donating. It's always, you know, the most heartwarming time to meet people who were once in need of food assistance. um, And, you know, now they're in a position where they're able to give. Um, Without fail, every holiday season where, you know, our drives are are most prominent, we will get someone, um, if not a few people, who will, you know, come up to us and say, um, it's really important that I donate today and, and pay it forward because, you know, last year I was in a position where I needed the help of one of your partner pantries. And I'm in a, in a better place today, and I wanted to make sure that my neighbors um, do not have to go through what I went through. And mm-hmm. it's it's just really incredible. And I, I think, once again, it just speaks to the generosity and the heart that we as Western New Yorkers have. Catherine Schick is with us from Feed More Western New York. When we return after the break, we are going to look specifically at Buffalo's east side and the effects of 514, but by no means do I want people to think, oh, food insecurity, it's just an east side issue. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about it this entire hour, and again, Feed More works in Cattaraugus County, Chautauqua County, Erie County, Niagara County. So when we come back, we'll do an update on some of those services, and then we will focus in on the east side. This is Buffalo What's Next on WBFO. WNED PBS is cooking up a storm with the premiere of our new live and local program, Now We're Cooking, Saturday, November 19th, starting at 1.30 p.m. Watch on WNED PBS and stream on YouTube or the PBS video app. Watch as chefs Stephen Foreman, Daniela Kaiser, Michael Wynn, Jason Davidson, and Christine Cushing present an afternoon of delicious meals, Saturday, November 19th at 1.30 p.m. Do you absolutely love Masterpiece, Antiques Roadshow, PBS NewsHour, great performances, and other amazing shows on WNED-PBS? But you're not always in front of your TV when they're on. Don't miss them. You can stream the channel live wherever you are in Western New York by visiting wned.org live or use the WNED-PBS app. Watch Buffalo's Voices of Steel on YouTube. The original WNED-PBS production captures the legacy of the steel industry in Western New York through the voices of the people who worked in the mills. Anybody who never saw the steel plant in operation missed something. I told my kids that they really missed to see what it was like to make steel. Through remembrances of the workers, Buffalo's Voices of Steel showcases the pride Western New York still feels about its steel-producing past. Watch it now on the Buffalo Toronto Public Media YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe while you're there. This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. 
To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And I want to begin this segment by underlining that if there's a comment or a question that you have or a guest you'd like to suggest or you hear something on the program and you just say, I've got to respond to that, the app is a really good way to do that. If you have the WBFO app, on there there's something called the Talk to Us button. You hit that button and it opens up a recording where you can just talk to your phone, leave us a recording, it ships it to us, and we're hoping to use more and more of that on future programs. One example comes to mind. In about a week and a half, we're going to have school superintendent Tanja Williams on. And we don't necessarily want to open up that for phone calls, but if there's a particular example of something that you would like to learn about the schools, again, the Talk to Us app or the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app would be a tremendous way to communicate with this program and get some of your comments on air. We are communicating for the rest of this hour with Catherine Schick from Feedmore, Western New York. They are the food bank. They work on food security issues. And any time I talk about the east side, I want to be intentional and make sure I'm not saying, oh, the only poor people in Buffalo are on the east side, or that the only place that there is food insecurity is on the east side. So before we do delve into a discussion of the east side, I want you to go over some of the numbers again about the extent of this problem in the areas you serve, Chautauqua, Cattaraugus, Erie, and Niagara. Well, you know, in terms of people who are dealing with food insecurity, which, again, is that lack of access um, consistently to enough nutritious food, um, we see pretty, you know, staggering percentages across our counties that we serve. Um, in Cattaraugus County uh, and Chautauqua County, we're looking at a 14 percent uh, food insecurity rate uh, in those areas in terms of adults overall, and Erie and Niagara County are closer to 12%. But when you look at the the rates of, of food insecurity where we serve compared to New York State as a whole, we're actually 25% higher here in western New York in terms of our food insecurity rate than we are overall in New York State. Really? Why? Well, I think there's a lot of poverty. You know, we talked about the intersections of poverty and food insecurity. We know um, that there's a lot of people who are struggling with underemployment and unemployment. Um, there's a lot of disparity in our community, and, you know, we need to work as a uh, united front in terms of tackling those issues. And, uh, the, again, the Consumer Price Index most recent numbers show that food prices uh, specifically in this area went up 13 percent over the past 12 months. So that's a factor. I, I don't know if that explains maybe the disparity between us and other parts of the state, but it certainly talks to the need that you see. And the need, I think, has motivated a whole bunch of programs. We've talked about some of them, want to get the others in. You have a workforce development program. We do. And and it may be interesting for people to think, you know, why does someone who does emergency food assistance provide workforce development? But we know that underemployment and unemployment is one of the, you know, 
chronic causes of food insecurity. And we want to make sure that we are taking a holistic approach to fighting hunger and, and not just treating the symptoms of hunger, but really getting to the root causes. And so we have a RISE Workforce Development Program. RISE stands for Readying Individuals for Success and Employment. Love those acronyms. <laughs> we, we love acronyms. <laughs> acronyms, you're right. Um, and we um, are able to provide warehouse and logistics training to our uh, folks that we serve. We really try to welcome people in the program who have been maybe facing significant barriers previously to employment. So you could have had a history with, you know, substance abuse or previous incarceration. We want to make sure that, you know, people who, you know, have been facing significant barriers are able to get those jobs. And not only are we providing warehouse and logistics training, we're providing soft skills as well. So how to write a resume, how to interview well, and, you know, very, uh, very high numbers of people, you know, virtually pretty much everyone is is going to either gainful employment or have received job offers. And before we wind up with the discussion of the East Side, there's one other program we didn't get a chance to talk about. Here today, during the blizzard, in the bleak midwinter, you're growing things. We're growing things. Uh, you heard that right in Buffalo, here That's in cool. Buffalo. Um, we have a hydroponic container farm. We actually have two hydroponic container farms, and that allows us to grow food year-round in this indoor space. We use a blend of nutrients and LED lights, and we can grow um really fragile produce that otherwise we may have a tough time getting into our warehouse because, you know, they could be wilting or getting damaged in that transportation pro- uh, process. And that allows us to get that um, leafy greens and kale and uh, herbs out into our farm market. All right. In the four minutes we have left, I do want to touch on the east side. How have ch- things changed for you after 514? Well, we were talking a little bit even before the program started. Uh we have been serving the East Side for a while, for, yeah. for years. You know, You're since, since our game. existence, we're not new to this game. But I think what one of the things 514 did is it really brought to light some of the issues that so many people in the East Buffalo community are facing, and and just how you know hard it is for people to access nutritious food. Um, so certainly, we've had uh, a host of pantries that we have been working with that have deep roots in the community, but they have seen increases, especially in the wake of 514. Um, we we know that um, we have a tremendous partnership with with several. We have nearly a dozen um, within that mile radius of the tops on Jefferson Avenue, and we do encourage anyone who is in need of food assistance to visit those pantries or, again, visit us at feedmorewny.org, and we can direct them to one of our nearby pantries. Do you think the increase is just a residual effect from the shutdown of tops? I think that, you know, certainly, you know, we've been hearing the community, you know, people who may be reluctant to go to the grocery store in the wake of what happened. Um, but we also know that um, the the need has, you know, continued to increase. You, you've been mentioning the rising cost of living. I think all of that plays a factor into seeing some of those increased needs at our pantries. Is there a particular solution that should be deployed in neighborhoods like the east side in racially segregated neighborhoods that's different than the universal solutions that you pursue elsewhere well we've been talking a lot about you know treating hunger and food insecurity on a holistic and multifaceted level. And, uh, you know, especially when we were having our policy discussion earlier, I think it all comes back to collaboration. There's a lot of terrific groups already working in the Eastside community and and helping to amplify voices and amplify um, policies that are really important. And we just need to all work together, um, government agencies, public and nonprofit, um, all together to 
really tackle these multifaceted issues and making sure that people do not have to continue to live in fo- chronic poverty and chronic food insecurity. The last question is maybe an easy one. Um, people in your field usually answer it a certain way because you do what you do. Are you optimistic? I am. Really? I am. I am. I really am. And, you know, yes, hunger is pervasive. I wish I could, you know, say that, you know, next year I could come back on the show and we can say, and we hey, did we it. We don't have to talk, Dave. We're we did go. it. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's simply not going to be the case. I mean, there is a tremendous amount of work to be done. Um, there's a tremendous amount of need. I don't anticipate that going anywhere anytime soon, but I am optimistic. When we talk about those food drives that I just came from, and I see the people braving the cold, the, the impending snowstorm that we're supposed to be getting to make sure that their neighbors do not have to go without this holiday season. Yes, we are the city of good neighbors. We are the community of good neighbors, and I do have hope. All right. One of the things you mentioned earlier in the program was some outreach you do for food stamps, SNAP. If someone wants to access that program, give me the phone number again. Call us at 716-822-2002 or reach out to us online at feedmorewny.org. That number again, 822-2002. Catherine, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Catherine Schick with Feedmore Western New York. Tomorrow on the program, we bring you our highlights program, producers' picks from the past couple of months of interviews, important interviews. We bring them to you each day here on WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown. I'm Dave Debo. Thanks for listening.